Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for the recap of Stage 10 of the Tour de France 2021 here with my co-host Benji Narsen, fresh off the rest day. This show is supported by our show partner for the entire year, Lacole, who produced performance cycling apparel. Well, look like a sprint stage. It did have a couple of oh, three rolling climbs, not severe gradients. Uh, the, the second one had the intermediate sprint at the top. So Cav for sure wasn't going to be, going to be winning the intermediate sprint, but how much would they drop him if at all? Uh, it's like at the end of 4Ks, 3.54%. More for Matthews, Cole, Braley. So we expected Bex and Bahrain to pace there. Then it's pretty much flat all day. They got a 5K, 4% climb, but it finishes with, if my maths are correct, 37Ks to go and there's a short descent. And then pretty much some exposed highway sections uh, after that with a flat run into the finish. There's a corner in like the last 400 metres, I think. You need a bit of a chicane, kind of like the stage three, the one Ewan crashed on, so positioning was important. And I think, Benji, I was hyping up the stage a little bit where I saw an opportunity for Van Moor, Kung, and uh, some other riders in the break because I, I thought the, the quick step train was a little bit light, but we didn't really get a strong break today, Benji. And, and yeah, were you surprised or were there reasons for that? I think it's a, it's a matter of a few combinations of uh, things that occurred here. We have no attacks from riders from quick step. For example, let's say that an Osgren decides he wants to go in a breakaway. Then you're reducing the amount of teams that are going to be pacing all day in the peloton. That's not happening. They fully set at the start okay, we're going for Cavendish from the start onwards, and they weren't going to have that Joker, Joker card of having Osgreen in the breakaway, which I somewhat understand if you've won two sprint stages already. Yeah. And uh, what is less understandable is a team like DSM and D that instead of sending a certain Grandison in the breakaway for a case ball, for example, to prevent the team to have to do some work during the stage and have a stronger team at the end, but also make sure that the Koenig has to spend more energy during the stage for when it comes to a sprint, if the breakaway doesn't win. So something like that could have occurred, and I think that's what you're insinuating as well, you know? Yeah, I think that's what uh, maybe, I mean, the team I expected did try with Van, uh, with Tosh van der Sander, who I was confused with Van Moor, uh, and he was, the tour data track was saying he was doing like 70% of the pulling. So uh, I guess they did try. But yeah, yeah. it was... A bike exchange and then, you know, bike exchange and Bahrain aren't going to send a rider in the break because they want to go for the intermediate sprint with Cole Brelli and Matthews. So that sort of hamstrung the first 80 kilometers, those teams then out as well. A little bit surprised, Benji. We see it in the Giro a lot. Why are the French sort of wildcard teams not throwing a, a sacrificial lamb in the breakaway? We, we, always, we saw that in the Giro every single day. Yeah, I've been surprised by... Total, who have been severely lacking in that area this entire Tour de France, they haven't put people in the breakaway like that very often. And we've seen again today that they don't do that. And a team like that should be doing that. BNB hotels as well. But then again, it's kind of expected because we heard today, this morning, that Pierre Roland was planning to go for the Ventoux stage until on the rest day, he found out that it doesn't finish on top of the Ventoux because he was apparently so ill-prepared. And that's why he's not going for the Ventoux stage now. So if you're that ill-prepared as a team when it comes to the riders, then it doesn't surprise me that you don't have plans to go in the breakaway. And that's also uh, playing into the cards of BNB here because I found that uh, a very surprising uh, thing to read. And yeah, if you, if you don't prepare like that, then you're not going to have people in the breakaway on these kind of days. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Hearing things like that. They don't even, haven't even read the parkour like 
come on, we looked at it, you know, we memorized it in October and we don't even, I guess we kind of do, but we don't directly get paid <laughs> to even look at it. But the, the, the stage kind of went a bit boring, to be honest, after that cap, the intermediate yep. sprint, bike exchange in Bahrain, pay super hard. Colbrelli took the points after the two breakaway guys, Matthew's second. Sagan was looking not in great condition. Uh, actually, he looks a bit injured. Apparently, he was a bit banged up, according to maybe their team. But I read it somewhere from inside the team. He, the crash took more of a toll on him than uh, it, it first appeared. So, But then Cav obviously wasn't dropped. No one really tried anything. He didn't take the 20 points or 15 points, but then it all yeah, mulled, out, mulled away. They let the, the break go to two minutes again. And then the last climb... I feel like Bike Exchange kind of tried something, but Cav was never under any pressure. Draft is huge on a 5K, 3.5, 3.7% climb. And it was sort of surprising, Benji, when we knew, okay, well, flat sprint, 100% flat sprint, you know, everyone's together. It's been a pretty easy day for everybody. All the trains are here. They've not had trouble bringing back the brake because DSM have been helping Quickstep, which we, uh, we'll talk about in a second. And suddenly, Quickstep appear at the front. I'm like, oh, they're assuming formation. And then I was looking at my phone, Benji. Next minute, there's a split. So, like, what did you see there? Because I didn't even think there were crosswinds predicted today. Well, it's multiple things. There was an area there with a lot of wind and a crosswind section where it was actually happening. It was a bit last minute because we apparently just missed out on a huge rainfall in that area. So that's a good thing, I guess. But indeed, a lot of wind and it was straight to the side so in the peloton that's great cross tailwind and then you can form echelons but like after the stage the Koenig mentioned that they weren't planning to pull echelons here but looking at the screen I felt like we saw them coming to the front Philippe started hitting it you don't do that if you don't have the plan to do it it's not like they accidentally started racing harder just as the crosswinds happened you know <laughs> uh, I don't believe that aspect you say Alaphilippe wouldn't ride with a plan Benji <laughs> no, I think that in this, it looked like <laughs> yeah, they Alfred would do anything. He's like, I'm getting on the front. I'm going to rip it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the thing is, like, they started it off. It didn't look like much at the start, but the peloton still started sliding onto like one huge line. And when that happens, it's a matter of fact that at some point you're going to have someone that can't keep the wheel of the rider in front of them and the split will happen. And it took a while, to be honest, because we then went into a bit of more of a foresty area, had some cornering in a descent, and as a consequence, it all came together a bit again, but then certainly into a bit of a steeper descent section with wind again in crosswind, the, uh, the split actually happened. First of all, we had at the front that we saw that Fanard was taking a small pull at the front of the race, together with Vingegaard in like third or fourth position at the start. Like a very short pull, and I think there were seven, eight riders alone for a tiny bit. Then we had a smaller group with uh, some other people, and then we had Pogacar in a group behind with like well, 20 meters in between. I think one teammate of UAE was trying to close that down ASAP, and Pogacar was sitting in second wheel. That UAE rider was done for and had to like go to the side with a good 15 meters left to go, and boy, oh boy, Pogacar closed that like crazy, right? Yeah, he closes so fast. I was watching the stage seven footage on the rest day again, and I still think he could have closed the gap to the, to that huge break. I know it sounds crazy, but he, uh, he he didn't. He relied on his team, and they then had to pull for the next six hours. Today, he was like, I'm not using my team. He had teammates more behind him. He just ripped that gap closed with Ballerini and, and riders like that on the front, all of the F, I think, like Bissiger-style riders, 
shredding it in G1. I think Pogaccia just snapped that gap shot of about 25 metres uh, very, very quickly on the flat. And then that was pretty much it. Ineos then basically went into keeping Carapaz safe. EF were, had like seven riders, Benji, and were kind of soft pulling. And I was like, surely, I mean, me and Benji, we are the biggest fans of Magnus Court and Valgren. We, we picked them for every sort of stage from the break. But even we don't think they're winning the bunch sprint here. So I didn't. I, shit, know, I think. I think, yeah, just for, for Uran. Maybe mm-hmm. it's just us, me disrespecting Uran and they're just keeping him in good position, which they <laughs> certainly did. Torigita um, stage win, man. <laughs> yeah, you're just quick. So but then the funny, <laughs> funniest moment for today for me was Kwiatkowski moving up on the right-hand side in the wind in front of Jonas Ruch, doing the big German, doing a huge effort on the front, gurning. And Kwiatkowski, just casual as you like, as if he's flicking yeah. through his gum and moves up the right side of the peloton in the wind with Carapaz on his wheel and just slots in front of Vruch and just starts pulling. I was like, that, God, that must be humiliating for Kwiatkowski to do. <laughs> Still so good in the flat crosswind sort of sort of stages. But then, yep, going to be a flat sprint. Quick step, train set up. Uh, who we had here, we've got Wout van Aert on his own. Oh, actually, not on his own. He had Turnison keeping him actually in reasonable position today, I've got to say. Yep. It's a lot better, I think. Buani had like six, five lead-out men uh, at a certain point, but then McClay brought him up late. Matthews got brought up with uh, pretty late as well. But the problem was, right, so Quickstep have got the left barrier side. We're getting into about 1.5Ks to go. They've had – well, before then, they've had Cataneo pulling. You know, he's got – because he's got the tattoos on his left uh, finisher and his left elbow. Then it was Asgren, and he started pulling about 1.4 Ks. After him, they got Ballerini, then Murku. They stay on the left-hand side, and everyone's just having to come up on the wind on the right-hand side with their one lead-out man bring them up. So Matthews gets brought up. His lead-out man has done it about a K to go, and he's left in the wind, and he's got to fight. And someone, fortunately for him, lets him in, but he's still eating a lot of wind. Cavi's eating no wind. I, I didn't even see him in the front-on shot. And Buhani's the same. Gets brought up by, I presume, McClay. No. And then he's fighting with Phillips and trying to get onto the wheel. And I think, Benji, people underestimate how much that taxes the energy, whereas Cav Insane. is just sitting there, right? Yeah, because like Buhani, we saw him sprint from like 600 meters to go to 250 meters to go just to stay on the wheel of Cavendish because he's he's straight up in the wind because Philipson has that wheel at the moment. And yeah. they keep on fighting for it. And both are having to sprint before the sprint even starts while Cavendish can just sit in the wheel of Merku at that moment. And that's what everybody there, like Vanard also has to try and move up alone in these positions. And if you're at the front with a lead out ahead of you, then, then it's perfect. And when you're going into the last kilometer with as many people as Cavendish had today, then you're going to have to uh, fuck up entirely if you want to lose the stage. <laughs> yeah, I know. This was, this was lead out perfection. You've got the chicane, then right hand bend at about 300 meters. Ballerini is pulling through the chicane. They still have Murku afterwards. Ballerini pulls off. They got there on the left hand side as they look at it. He pulls off with 250 to go. The second to last lead out man pulls off with 250 meters to go and has, has accelerated out of that corner. We've got Murku beginning his lead out whilst Buani begins his sprint half in the wind while Van Aert also eating a little bit of wind. They're all fighting for Cavs' wheel. Murku drops Cavendish off with, I'm trying to look at the road signs, it must have been like 100 and, 150, 100, 130 meters to go. I've just pinpointed it is where he drops Cavendish off. Cavendish gets his... Mercury leaves in the left-hand side near the barriers. I've got to say credit to Cavendish. 
he sprinted really clean. He could have gone to the barriers. Um, I mean, it wouldn't have even been dirty for him to do so. He could have launched his sprint to the barriers, but he opened that gap and he kept that gap open despite Wout coming up underneath him. And uh, so, yeah, credit to Cavendish for doing that and just perfect lead out. Cavendish wins pretty comfortably. Nowhere near enough time for anyone to come around him. Wout and Philipson charging and got to about his, oh, his front wheel, but no closer because, yeah, if you get dropped off with 130, there's not much anyone else can do. So how do you rate that sprint from Quickstep Benji in their their sprints this year? That's got to be almost better than their Stage 5 Paranese one for me. I think this is perfect execution, and I think we can compare it also to uh, Brugge de Ponne. Was it that one with a great lead out as well? Yeah. Or am I completely uh, blanked not out right now? Price. Not the price. No, but indeed the uh, LRCP sprint police has not seen any evidence of bad behavior in that sprint. And like you said, they um they kept straight and also he even deviated slightly away from the from the barrier, not endangering anyone, so no issue at all. And that's just that's just fun to see because like it's something you don't expect. Usually they tend to uh deviate slightly towards the barrier to try and make sure the rider on the left behind them can't pass, but perfectly clean sprint and perfect execution and it's it's all thanks to the lead out as well 90 percent lead out 10 percent cavendish today while we've had other sprints this sort of front where it was 90 percent cavendish 10 percent lead out so yeah. i think they uh it's a give or take in this uh this combination so far and he's uh one win away from the from the record we don't care about but we bring it up to meme it <laughs> has he has he evened it i don't even know what this record no, 33 is really. record is 34 okay so uh, right. he needs two to pass it, but let's right, try it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the top? Here's the top 10. Cavendish, Van Aert. Good to see him coming top three in a sprint, though, and getting a better position today. Philipson, third. Buani, fourth. Matthews, fifth. Murku, sixth. <laughs> he kept sprinting like Merlin did the other day. He finished, <laughs> and he sat up with like 20 minutes ago. I reckon he could have come fourth or fifth. Um, Greipel, seventh. Good to see him in a top 10. Sagan, eight. Terji, nine. Case Bowl, 10th GC unchanged apart from Nairo losing time to Bonamore down at 17th. Uh, in terms of the points jersey, Cavendish takes a bigger lead, 50 points today, 218 points. Matthews is on 159. Again, I, I don't really see. So that's okay. What, what's that lead, Benji? 49. So then Matthews will need to pick up three times 20 intermediate sprints, assuming Cavendish beats him in every single first. If Cavendish just, goes to Paris, he yeah, wins green. Yeah, I mathematically. Just don't see Matthews winning this. Yeah, mathematically, there's just not the stage design for the. He'd need five intermediate sprints where Cav, where Matthews gets max because um, yeah. he, he's not coming second either. But before we get onto the DSM slight roasting with the case bowl lead out, I want to talk about our. Talk about our show partner, Lacole. They produce performance cycling apparel made at the base of Monte Grappa in Italy. If you want to use our code LRTDF20, we'll get you 20% off all Lacole items, including the new drops. They have the lightweight collection, the McLaren Project Aero collaboration they have as well if you want to go faster in racing or just to beat your mates. So if you want to check out Lacole's kit, the link is down below with the code LRTDF20 and get 20% off. All right, Benji, DSM, they helped Quickstep a lot today, pacing. I reckon that contributed to Quickstep being a little bit fresher at the finish. i got to say, I thought certain Krah trying to get him in the break. Well, okay, forget the break. Where's Case Bowl in the ranking of sprinters here? Fifth, being nice to him? Why are they helping Quickstep? Yeah, I don't get it. And 
it's not even like he's fifth in the ranking of sprinters because he's he is one of the best ones one time per year, and then he's the 30 best sprinter for the rest. So, like, ah, oh, it's so difficult to say, but I think that they've got an issue. I think if you get beaten by Turgi on sprints like this, um, no offense to Turgi, but I don't consider him a pure sprinter at all, definitely. And as a consequence, I just expected uh, better. And he's not offering that. And compared to like a Sagan, he's an actual pure sprinter. A Sagan needs hills sometimes to be competitive more. And he crashed recently. But a case ball on paper is better on a pure flat sprint if they're in the same position. And that's just, it's just not happening for him. So I think his ball has an issue and I don't know what. His sprints so far this year, just reading out a few of them, he won that. So UAE to a ninth and fifth in the stages sixth and seventh, oh, and 15th in stage four. Paranese, uh 40th, then first, then 23rd, then Ruga de Pana seventh. Ruga de Mayen, Fela Mayen, he didn't start. Alois, a Belgium tour, not in the top 30 in any stage, and that their sprint stages, a few of them. This Tour de France, 8th, 6th, 6th, 10th. So, like, go for him in the sprints for sure. I'm not saying don't go for him. I'm just saying he's not good enough that you need to be pulling. It's That's Alperson's job for Philipson, uh, not not a DSM. And they also bring him up so early. They brought him up at, like, 2.5Ks with one lead-out, lead man. I'm like, two, what's he going to do at 2Ks two, two to go? Yeah, same with Greipel as well today. <laughs> like, he was brought at 4K to go with one helper and then he had to worm his way around and drop at the back front, again though, but at the yeah. front whereas buani's man is like fuck we're way too early he puts him like next to wow van Aert, so yeah. at least he's on the quick step train yeah it's uh it's odd and i think that it's also thanks to like i think it's a preparation for the sprints the way they set it up their plan towards it and that plays into when you're at the front and most of the time, Kiss Ball is at the front with his team too early and their team is at the front too early. And maybe that's because they don't trust the fact that they can move up in the end. But if you can't do that, well, then that's kind of what you need to do to win sprints, you know? And they're usually gone by that point. And in this situation, it was once again like that. But I don't think I can add too much more to the conversation. I think it's just that he's not good enough and his team isn't as good enough when it comes to the lead out either. Yeah, I think it's just yeah a little bit odd. I, I would rather see. I loved what DSM Sunweb did in the Tour de France last year. I loved uh, what they did with multiple riders in multiple breaks. When a break went and they weren't happy with it, they would use Casper Pedersen to bridge their guys across. I really loved it. And um, but okay, I, I, let's stop it here. Okay, we're going to the Ventoux stage. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about Sonny Cobrelli sprint. Okay, oh, yeah, no, okay. <laughs> nah. <laughs> Thinking too much about DSM. Mark Hirschi, never forget. All right, stage 11 tomorrow, 200K is the double Von 2 stage. It's been it's been hyped up a lot, not really by me and Benji, to be honest. The intermediate sprint, again, this is what I was talking about for Matthews. They're going to have to try and drop Cavendish on the Cat 4 beforehand, 2Ks at 6%. They should be able to do it, actually. <laughs> I think they can actually do it, but it's 8Ks before. Uh, so that, watch out for that one as well. Uh, but the, the meat of the stage is the first Cat 1, Calderon Lube. Luguer, 9.5k, 6.5% descent. Then Von 2, the first side is easy, 22.1k at 5%. The last, or the, the first section is actually 
like there's false flat in the middle part of it and then it does get steeper at the end last 5k is like uh, seven seven and a half percent but then there you go descend 12k valley long to the normal side i think it's 15ks at 8.7 percent that is properly steep then a descent finish news to pierre roland not news to us <laughs> breakaway or gc tomorrow benji i'm going with break for any of these descent these stages yep i'm going for break as well I've uh, seen an interview this morning, I think, where Pogacar was basically saying that he doesn't care at all about the historical value of the Mont Ventoux. So I guess that that, that is scratched off the surface of the planet Earth as well. That plan of uh, having him destroy people tomorrow as well. Probably will at some point in the race, but too far behind to matter, I think. And I think that for this stage, oh, there's so many candidates I want to name. I'm curious if we're going to see Lopez try something. I don't remember how good his defend, descending is, but I think I it's pretty it. okay. But um, he had he had the best time on on Von Two in ages, right? True. On yes. more Von Two than Nivelle Challenge. He's so that's up. one of the names I want to put up there. Yeah, you're right. But yeah, like everybody's banged up in the store. <laughs> True. Might as well just re- name everybody. <laughs> but um, names that I would love to see do well here: Vincenzo and Evely, but that's purely biased. And Orian um, Panther, I'd love to see in the breakaway. I said it last year as well that he should go in the breakaway every time and he ended up doing it once. And now he's 13 in GC. I said he would top 10 at GC this year in a Grand Tour. To do so, he'll need to go in one breakaway and try and take some minutes there. And I think this is the opportunity. I don't know how good his ascending is. So that's a pure gamble on my end for this one. But I think that I also kind of want to see Pebble Bow in the breakaway because of that descent finish. But is eight minutes and a half too close for that? I don't think so. Yeah, I think he get dropped out of the break, personally. Oh, really? Yeah. Like Quintana? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like Simon Yates for this. I like his descending. Uh, he's consistent. He maybe went too hard on stage seven. He's had the rest day. I really like Yates. Um, Valverde, I'd love to see Valverde in the break. He was really good <laughs> on long climbs at Catalonia. Uh, Valverde would be fun, of course, but... Obviously, Benji's pick of Lopez is the, like the best quality climber in, that, that you know, maybe top five climber in the world on his day. Um, it's just the question marks over his condition. UAE Yumbo won't send. Will, will Yumbo let Koos go in the break again, Benji? Do you reckon? He's going to attack too early and get dropped by other comp- competitors in the breakaway. I also wouldn't put him in the breakaway, considering Vinga is literally fighting for the podium and will need support on his own in the wind. <laughs> like Vontu is definitely that kind of situation where you could use somebody on the yeah. uh, on the windy section on top, and if you don't have that there, then you might as well just say to Vinga, "Well, we don't really care about your podium, man." Like we want Gus to just go ahead and go on a solo adventure at the front for a few minutes and then get called again. But I would I would say as Yumbo, protect Vingegaard. This is a stage where he's going to be your clear leader and try and get him to the line in front of other people. And that is the single goal of the stage for Yumbo in my eyes. We'll see Tosh Benot in the break again tomorrow, I would assume. Uh, and Gudu, again, he's he's not lost enough time is the problem. I think to be – where is he? 10th on GC. That's at 7.22. So doubtful he'll be in the breakaway, although we saw what happened. with Guillermo Tan was at 7.30 the other day and was allowed in the break. Uh, so would be nice with that Higuita. descending skill. But again, it's been a few days, but still. Is it technical, that descent? I don't know. I, it's fun too. So probably not overly technical, but yeah. I'd still think that him flying downhill 
the other day doesn't remind me of a rider that can win in a descent like today, like uh, Vaughn too. But the problem is, will he be able to uh, be sent up the road if Uran is leader and they're going to try and do their best to get Uran as close as possible for GC? It's always a question of that, you know? What are you expecting from GC, Benji? We both think Tade Pagach is untouchable. Uh, but in terms of O'Connor, he's at 201. He's got a three-minute-plus lead on the other GC contenders. Is O'Connor losing time tomorrow? Hmm. I think he's losing time tomorrow, mainly because I think Nuran can drop him in a descent. Yeah. And his descending was not good enough uh, the other day. So it depends on how good his descending is, if he can follow wheels in a group. But not every rider will be pacing at the tempo that Quintana and Hikita were doing. But it's still going to be a, a pretty crazy descent. So he can lose time in that descent. In the uphill section, I do trust him. But it's still, it's still risky. I, I can't tell you until I see it, riding, see him ride for GC in a Grand Tour like tomorrow, whether you can follow that elite group with Akarapaz, Maz and so forth or not. I think that Maz will likely grow in the race in the next couple of weeks until the end. He did fall just before the rest day, so that was not ideal either. But then again, everybody fo- has fallen in this entire Tour de France. Kelderman, hmm, I don't know how good his ascending is. I can't tell you. Lutsenko, pretty decent at descending. He rides at Astana, so you would be thrown out of the team if you're not good at descending there. <laughs> Guillaume Martin, would he try to go in the breakaway as well, or is he too close on seven minutes? Yeah, he's in a tough spot, isn't he? On He went in the break the other day on stage nine, yeah. didn't get the stage win, gained 20 seconds on GC, and he's just sort of back to where he was. I guess from I would expect turns in the break again, Chavez, Chavez Cataneo is a good call, good long endurance climber. Um, Quintana, of course, in the stage. One pick, who do you say? Uh, Simon Yates is my one pick. I'm just saying who will be in the break. But Simon Yates, I think, is the best of them on his day. But he, who knows when that good day will come. I think Kelderman and Mars, I think Kelderman will struggle a little bit on the last climb. But again, it's the descent finish, so the incentive to really invest so much is lower. I mean, it's such a long yeah. descent that you need a big gap. Um, so yeah, I'm really interested to see whether we see and you know apathy from the GC contenders tomorrow. Do you think Pogaccio attacks them again, Benji? Yep, he should. Why not? Why not? Because <laughs> it's a descent finish. I would. If yeah. it's a descent finish, so if I was him, I wouldn't really bother. Uh, to be honest, no point taking risks. Anyway, can't wait to see that tomorrow. We'll see the recap. Wait, 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 wait. We've got one more point that we forgot to talk about. No, really. Thomas and Port crashed again today. What's there to say? What analysis do we have? Well, you've got the analysis that you send me in private, and that's the fact that if Yumbo oh, fell yeah. already the week before in the Wheel of Ineos, have they not learned that you yeah. should not put your team in the Wheel of Ineos anymore? At this point, it's not bad luck. If you put your GC contender or guys on the Wheel of Port and Thomas... You're asking to fall over them when they crash. It's already happened twice this tour. So, yeah, that's that's what, I, what I've said basically. And it's like it's when nothing is on as well. No. It was not, nothing was on again today. Um, so, yeah, and, and don't go near Cole Braley as well if you're Jonas. Um, <laughs> still paying back for Mater. All right, that's another recap of Stage 10. Cav wins three already. He won't win tomorrow, we don't think, but – we think you'll make the Imagine we think you'll make we think you'll make the time cut, although it will be uh, a pretty tiring stage room. Until tomorrow, ciao.